We're going to continue on in our series in Esther today. I'm, I'm excited about this one. This is, a challenging, um, this is a challenging topic this morning, but I believe it's going to be encouraging, and I believe it's going to be life-giving for all of us. As everything in the Word is. Everything that God does in us and through us should be a little challenging, right? Otherwise, like Josh said, we're just kind of being stagnant and not really moving or growing. And um, I want to preface today with a couple of scriptures before we get into Esther. And I want to look in Isaiah chapter 1 this morning when Isaiah is talking to, um, to the people who are in, uh, really they're in rebellion. All right, they're in rebellion. This is Judah he's talking to, and uh, they just haven't been doing what the Lord has been calling them to do. And this is what the prophet Isaiah says, uh, what God is saying through him in Isaiah 1 chapter 13. He says, stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As of your celebration of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Come now. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are like red crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And here's the verse I really want to hammer home, 19. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. So God is telling them, look, I'm not impressed with all this stuff that you are doing. As a matter of fact, I hate it. I don't like it because while you're doing all this stuff, you're being disobedient. You're living in rebellion while doing these things. And what I believe God is saying here is, look, I don't care about production, okay? I, have, I sit on the throne of heaven. I have the front row seats to the production of heaven, Right? So what you do on earth can't even come close to comparing to what I see 24-7 up here in heaven. So stop wasting your time trying to do all these things and instead listen to me. Listen to my commandments. Do what I say to do. Be obedient to me. That's what I'm concerned with. Not about what you do, but about what's in your heart. And it's like they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They were so obsessed with doing things for God they never considered to just be obedient to God. And it says that it disgusted them. And I don't believe that festivals or production in and of itself disgust God. But when we do them in place of being obedient to God, then they become idols. They become lowercase g gods. And we get so consumed and obsessed with those things that we have to do that we forget about God and we put them on a shelf and we don't even listen to them anymore. And that's when the disgust comes in. But God says in here as well, as let's, let, let's make this very clear. I will make you white as snow. There is mercy. There is forgiveness when we mess up. And I will do these things for you. If you would just obey me, you will have plenty to eat. Anyone in here want plenty to eat? Jesus comments on this as well in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. He says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to me. Everyone say listen. listen. 
and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey, let me say that again, anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So Jesus gives us the model of what it means to follow him. First, he says, come to me. All right. Then he says, listen to me. And then here's the doozy. He says, do what I say. All right. We love to come to Jesus, right? And sometimes we even listen to Jesus. But then we get tripped up because then we have to do what Jesus says. And that is the flow of being obedient and following Jesus. You have to do all three. Coming to him is easy. We, we can come to Jesus whenever we want and we share our hearts and we spill our guts and we say, this is what's wrong, this is what I need, this is what's going on. Thank you, Jesus, goodbye. And we think that we've actually done something. We might have emptied our heart to him a little bit, but there's no solution there. There's no resolution there because we haven't listened to him and we haven't done what he said. We just, we just spew out whatever we're feeling and then we go about our day. And then we get mad when God doesn't intervene on our behalf. And he's going, you never gave me a chance. You didn't do parts two and three. Or we do parts one and two. We go to Jesus, we spill our guts, we listen to what he says, we say, that sounds good. And then more trouble comes our way and we say, you know what, I think I'm actually just going to do this instead. I'm not going to do what you said. I'm not going to be obedient because I need resolution right now. And if we've seen anything in the story of Esther and really every single story that you could possibly read in the Bible, it's that God's timing is perfect. And when we get out of being obedient to God, it's because we're frustrated with his timing. That's really it. We want it now. We want it yesterday. And when we don't get it now, it's really hard to be obedient now. And it's really hard to be obedient tomorrow when we still don't get it. And so we get out of that because we want it now. But we must have all three. And so today we are going to talk about obedience. And I'm not going to sell anything this morning. It can be hard to be obedient to the Lord all the time. It can be very challenging. Listen, following the Lord is the most radical uh, most amazing trip you will ever be on, the best life you can ever live. There are moments that are just grand and awesome. There is a peace that we live with every single day of our lives because we know that Jesus has us, that we are his, that the Holy Spirit lives in us. It is amazing. But there are moments, y'all, when being obedient is really hard. It's really hard because we have to set aside our own flesh our own thoughts, our own desires, and say, here you go, Lord. Here you go. But listen to what it says in Leviticus chapter 26 about the fruit of obedience. Let's remember this as we continue this morning. It says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grapes harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep 
with no cause for fear. I'm going to read that again. You will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. You will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. Listen, y'all, talk about incentive, right? You want, to ha- you want to have all these things? Follow the Lord. Obey his commands. I want these things. I want to be able to sleep at night with no cause for fear. Don't you? Don't you want peace? Don't you want that seasonal rain and all those harvests that it's talking about? I want those things. I, you know what? It's okay to want those things, by the way. We are allowed to want those things. How do we get it? Obey his commands. Obey his commands. Obey his word and the authority of God's word, not the authority of James in accordance with God's word, right? Where I read this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to change it to my way so that it's comfortable for me. And I'm still obeying God, kind of, but really I change it to me. And then I want all the harvest and all the peace and all, the, all that stuff. No, we obey God's commands. And then when we do, this is what we get. I want to go after those things. How do we do it? We obey him. We don't need all the answers. We don't have to have all the formulas. We simply have to follow the Lord. It's actually not that hard. That's the equation. The question is, will we do it? Esther does an incredible job of this. Her example of obedience in a very difficult situation is unreal. And we need to know what it takes to be obedient. It takes the four things that we've been talking about with Esther. It takes humility, it takes teachability, it takes strength, and it takes courage. Are you humble enough to obey the Lord? Am I humble enough to say, God, though, I don't get it at all. I don't understand what you're doing here. It doesn't make sense to little old me, right? It doesn't make sense to me, but I trust in you And so I'm going to have the strength to lay down what I think I know and be humble before the creator of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, my heavenly father. I'm going to lay those, that lack of understanding down before you and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to have the courage to do so and to let go and believe that you have it under control. Humility, teachability, strength, Encourage. It takes those things. It's hard to be obedient to the Lord and still hold on to our own pride. <laughs> if, you, if you've tried before, you've probably failed. We have to be humble before him and say, God, you got this. Because, because in reality, there are times when we would never say this out loud. We would even laugh at the notion of it. But in our actions, our actions say, I know more than you, God. 
I know more than you, so I'm not going to be obedient in this moment, and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go around what you're calling me to do because I know better. I have a better way. I have a usually faster way of getting things done. And so I'm going to get on, on that road, and I'm going to go my way because I know better. Of course, we would never admit that. Sounds foolish to say. But what do our actions say? Esther is confronted with a moment where she's at a crossroads of, do I believe that God knows best or do I believe that I know best? And to recap really quickly, before we get into Esther chapter 5, up until this point, if, you, if you've missed any of the story of Esther, Esther is an uh, orphan. She's been adopted by her cousin, who is her, you know, her father. Uh, they are Jews living in exile in Persia, which is the greatest empire in the world at that time, 127 provinces. She has, long story short, become queen in Persia. The king, Xerxes, does not know that she is Jewish yet. There is a villain whose name is Haman, and he, has, uh, he hates Mordecai, who is Esther's adopted dad. Mordecai won't bow down to him. So Haman says, I can't just kill Mordecai. I've got to wipe out all the Jews and all of Persia. So he, he convinces the king to do so. He never tells the king that he's wiping out the Jews, just a people group. And so they sign an edict. It's out there. The Jews are wailing in the streets. They're mourning in the streets. Mordecai tells Esther, perhaps you were put as queen for such a time as this. And Esther says, okay, I'm going to go to, the, uh, go to the king, and if I die, I die. That is the shortest version of those first four chapters that you'll ever hear. Um, but uh, yeah. you can go back and watch the sermons for much more extended. And you're like, why did it take five weeks to get to this point? Um, but she's in this moment now where she has to go to the king, afraid for her life. If she goes to the king and he does not want to see her, the only law is that she is put to death. Not go to your room, not you're not queen anymore. You are dead, okay? That is what she is up against. And oh, by the way, she hasn't seen the king for 30 days. Doesn't know that she's Jewish still. So Mordecai says, go to the king. She says, let's fast and let's pray for three days. And after that, I'll go to the king. And if I die, I die. That's the last words from Esther in chapter four. Chapter five, verse one. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Whew, right? <clears throat> She's not dead, all right? It's like, it's the best thing that she could possibly ask for because if the king extends the gold scepter, that means he's happy to see you, all right? So you're not gonna die. Come on in, Esther. I'm having a good day. I'm not in a bad mood, right? I mean, all those things, all those things could have happened. It didn't take much for him to react poorly, as we know about King Xerxes, but he sees her. Bible's in other translations says he's pleased to see her. He's happy to see her. And he extends that gold scepter to her. So first off, phew, right? But let's talk about what happened before this moment. Three days, three days of fasting and praying for this moment right here. And let's just consider again what is going on with the, with the Jews in Persia right now. It says that that edict, it was the 13th day of the first month when they announced it. 
And it was going to be carried out on the 13th day of the last month when all of the Jews were going to be wiped out of Persia. Not kicked out, killed, annihilated, gone. An entire people group out of the biggest empire in the entire world. And so you have to think that every single day they cherished to the point where they were probably cursing the sun as it went down at night. Because that was one less day that they had on planet Earth. So every single day was so valuable to them. Every single one. And they actually said, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to give up three days. We're not going to eat. We're not going to drink. We're just going to pray for three days. That might not sound like much to us, but when you have a a date at the end of the year where you know you are done, that calendar doesn't flip, that's three days, that means a lot. That means a whole lot. And they're saying, we're setting it aside, Lord, for you. And we'll get to that even more so in just a bit. But so far, so good. Not just a prayer huddle. Not just, hey, let's take an hour, y'all. Let's have a little worship set. We're going to seek the Lord for, you know, until lunch. No, three days we're going to give him. We're going to give him three days. We're going to trust that God has us. So first step, Xerxes is happy to see her. Praise the Lord. It gets even better. Verse 3, Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. Listen, y'all, Esther's smart, all right? What do we know about banquets? Xerxes loves himself a good banquet, right? The entire first chapter, all we read about is how he spends 187 days of banquet throwing. Listen, God knows how to play the game. He's not stupid. Can I just say that again? God is not stupid, all right, he, 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 he can look, go over here being a little puppet master. I Xerxes likes a banquet. We're going to throw him a banquet, right? I'm going to butter him up a little bit. And so Esther says, that sounds good. So she's like, Let's, I want to throw you a banquet. So he's like, I love my wife. Love her. <clears throat> the king turned to his attendants and said, tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet. As Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, which she obviously has, And if it pleases the king to grant my request, which it would, and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. So Esther is throwing Xerxes a banquet so that she can invite him to guess what? A banquet, right? A banquet. I mean, how many times is that word in this, in this uh, book? I don't know. It's like 50 times in my sermon just so far. But listen, she, she's not dumb. And I, I want to, I would just want to say that. Because to be humble and teachable and strong and courageous does not mean that you are stupid. Right? You're not dumb if you are teachable. You know what you are? You're actually very smart. 
Because you, you want and desire to know more about the Lord. It would be dumb to not want to know more about the Lord. We see here Esther is, is very smart in what she is doing. But that's not even the point of all this. This is the point that I want to make. What the king says here in these six verses, it, it doesn't get any better than this. On paper, this is, this is perfect. This is perfect. Xerxes has told her not once, but twice, whatever you ask, I will give it to you. Even up to half the kingdom, he says. And you know what he's really saying by saying that, up to half the kingdom? He's saying, besides being king, the answer is yes. Whatever you ask, as long as you don't ask to be king, because if I give you 51%, then you have more than me. We can't have that. But up until half of it, if you want it, you got it. Not only that, but he's been drinking some wine. So he's a little loose. He's at a banquet. He's got another banquet tomorrow. He's feeling good, right? Xerxes is feeling good. So in all of this, it literally, it, by our standards, by our eyes and what we see, it does not get any better than this. There is no way that Esther in those three days of prayer and fasting could have ever dreamed up such a good scenario. Not only am I not going to die, but the king is telling me I can have half of Persia. And he says it twice. He says yes before she ever even asks the question. Now, let's go back to those three days of fasting and prayer. We'll pause right there. What were they doing in these three days of fasting and prayer? They were doing exactly what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. They were coming to the Lord. They were listening to the Lord. And in this moment, what we are about to see, Esther is about to do exactly what the Lord has told her to do. It's all three of those components. And the thing about what Jesus said in Luke 6, there's no guarantee that if I do these three steps, that there's not going to be a storm. No, no, no. He's saying, do these three steps and then you will survive the storm that is coming. And so we see Esther and we see the Jews and all of Persia are in this wild storm, a storm of genocide, right? And in the storm, she is being obedient to the Lord because she went to the Lord in fasting and prayer. And then here's the important one, y'all. She listened. She listened to what God wanted her to do. And I believe there's a lot of us in here that genuinely and truly want to be obedient to what the Lord has for us in our lives, but we never bother to ask him, what do you want for me in my life? We never bother to listen. We go to him and we say things, but we never stop and just listen. All right, Lord, what would you have me do here? I want to be obedient. And just let it sit. We don't listen to him. Esther, she listened in those, in those three days of prayer and fasting. She listened to what he had to say. And his plan was this. Banquet, wait, and then another banquet. It's hard to wait. Especially when on paper, and, and as it said to her, it doesn't look like it can get any better than this moment. But you know what we never consider is that it actually could get better. 
We never consider that, wait a second, God is a good God. He is a great God. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. So though this looks really good, as far as I can see, maybe he sees an even deeper goodness. Maybe he sees something that's even better. And so I'm gonna trust that God is gooder than me and I'm gonna wait like he said and I'm gonna, I'm gonna see this goodness of God in a way that I never thought possible. Just because it looks really good on paper doesn't mean that's the extent of it. God has so much more, but we have to wait. And there's so many times, and I'm, the, I'm just as guilty as anybody else, where we cry out to God, where we're desperate for the Lord. We are in a storm. There's all sorts of stuff going on. And he starts to move just a little bit. And we say, wow, that's great. Thanks, God. And we take off and go with it. We say, on paper, that looks better than where I was. So thanks, I'm good now. And the obedience stops before God's even done doing his work. Does that sound familiar to anybody in here? Just me? Okay. Liars. <clears throat> We want to follow the Lord, but we either jump off before he's done or we never even listen to him in the first place. On paper, this looks really, really good for Esther, but what does she do? She waits. She waits because that's what God told her to do. You know, um, I, I've learned that. If I just speak personally for a second. Um, even here, just, just leading Beaches Chapel, um, what it means to wait. You know, because you're, you take over a church and all these goals and aspirations, right? I even had a whiteboard that I showed our staff like back in, I don't know when it was, like January or something. All these goals I wanted to do and, you know, get this done now, get this done now. We're going to add this here. and all, nah, We got to get it done. And, and um Never, never considered to pray like, Lord, what is your timing in all this? Because our staff, y'all, is, uh, is, is amazing. I, I love them like crazy. But, uh, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, we're new at this. We're new at this. A lot of us are doing this, well, I think all of us really, for the very first time. And what the Lord has been reminding me and telling me is slow down, slow down. All right. The elders have never come to me and said, you got, you got 18 months, brother. <clears throat> we want to see this, that, and the other, right? Maybe they're saying it behind my back. I don't know, but I haven't said it to my face, but there's time. There's time. And as we as we grow as a church, my heart is one that our staff, they grow individually first. Then they grow in their marriage second. Then with their kids, if they have any, third. And then we grow as a church in that order. And that means taking time and doing things in a way that are healthy. And I've been reminded lately in kind of that it's hard. It's hard to hold back and say, all right, I want to do this. I know we're supposed to do this as a church. We're called to do this, but just not yet. All right, we got to wait. And that's, that's, that's hard sometimes because the enemy loves to come in and no matter what it is, tell us, well, if you wait, 
you know, you're going to miss out on this and people, it's going to be get passed by and blah, 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 all this stuff. Because we're told by the world, you better go, you got to do, you got to do, you got to go. You can't sit still. It's action. It's movement constantly, right? And if you don't, if you're not moving, you're like a shark. If you stop swimming, you're going to die. And that, can, that mentality can invade the church. It can invade our homes as believers, where we feel like we have to go. We have to keep moving, moving forward all the time, all the time when God is saying, listen, be still and know that I am God. Be still and wait. Can you wait until the next day when this looks really good? But God, what happens if tomorrow he's in a bad mood? What happens if Haman does something else that makes it even worse this time tomorrow? What happens if, and we can just, all sorts of scenarios when God's saying, just wait. I have told you to wait. Don't you want peace? Don't you want rain? Don't you want to lay down with no fear? Obey my commands. But I don't get it. Never said you had to. Are we willing to wait? And I believe as we wait on the Lord, he grows us in a way that is healthy, in a way that is good. And I believe that for our church as well. And so pray for us. Pray for me that we trust in the Lord's timing. And I love that we're a hungry church. I love that we want to do more already and, and, and experience more. We're going to get there. And listen, in, in case you haven't noticed, and I'm, I'm not saying this for, for any reason, but just listen, in February, we didn't have a student minister. Now we have one giving announcements on stage for a fundraiser to take 16 kids to camp in a month. Right? We have... We're... We're going to be going on a staff, uh, our whole staff is going on a conference in September to grow and learn and develop um, something that we've never done before. We have our first ever summer base camp where we are, as a staff, going to be pouring into our kids here at Beaches Chapel uh, next week. I mean, there are things happening here, and, and I, I don't say all those things to, to, to brag or to boast, but to remind me, really, like, wait, in the waiting, God is still moving, Right? In, in when you are waiting on the Lord to give you that green light, God is moving. But the problem is we, we get so fixated on what we haven't done yet that we forget what God is doing and has done while we're being obedient. And there are all these things that God is working out in his perfect timing. We're going to get to how that applies to Esther next week. But for the moment, let's just consider, without knowing what is to come, unless you've cheated and are reading ahead, Let's just consider that with everything on the line, an entire people group at stake, everything looked perfect on paper. Esther says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to do exactly like God says, because I've come to him, I've listened to him, and now I've got to do what he says so that I can endure this storm. Because I want my house built on solid rock. Do we, do you want your house built on that firm foundation that is Jesus? Do you want the harvest? Do you want the seasonal rains? Y'all, I want them. I want them really bad. But it's not by our doing and having those new moon festivals and trying to put on a production and adding this to the list and that to the list and all these other things. And when it looks really good on paper, we move. It's saying, God, what do you want? What do you want in my home? What do you want in my marriage? What do you want with my finances? What, how do you want me to, tell me how to pray for my children. 
Tell me how to pray for my family, my friends that just, I can't get through. Tell me how to serve them, how to love them. Tell me how to be obedient to you, Lord. And I, I, sub, I submit myself to you, God, in humility, in reverence. Teach me, Lord, how to be obedient to you. Can we start saying those prayers? God, give me the strength when it doesn't make sense to me to trust you. Give me the courage to take that step into the king's room when he hasn't called for me. God, if that's what you're telling me to do, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be obedient because you're God and I want your will more than my own. Teach me to wait. Teach me to slow down. Some of us need to slow down in here. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. Some of us need to slow down. Take a deep breath. Go to the Lord, listen to him, and then do what he says. Have the band come back up. As we close this morning, I want to read Psalm 1830. You know what Psalm 1830 says? As for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. His way. His way is perfect. I would love it if the Bible said, I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this before I do it. All right, I'm going to fill you in on the secret so that you can understand why I'm asking you to do these things. But it doesn't say that. If it did, all faith and trust would go out the window. But what it does say is God's way is perfect. It's perfect. And that's all we need to know. So if Esther is sitting before the king and he's drunk and he has twice told her, whatever you want, you can have it up to half the kingdom. And it looks like it could not get any better for her to save the Jews. And God says, I want you to wait. Then she waits. Why? Because his way is perfect. He's not going to go, oh, Esther, we missed our opportunity. He's going, I got a bigger plan. And if you think this is good, just wait. Just consider for a moment that what you think couldn't get any better can actually get exponentially better. Because my way, my way is perfect. My word is flawless. And I will shield you in this storm if you take refuge in me. Humility, teachability, strength, and courage. It's not for the faint of heart, y'all. It's going to be hard at times to take that step and say, God, I trust you. And this doesn't make much sense, but I'm going to do exactly as you have called me to do. I'm laying it down because I love you and I trust you. And when we start living our lives like that, the rains will come. There will be a harvest. You will be able to put your head down at night and not fear anything because you have taken refuge in the Most High God and He will shield you. He will shield you. I take great solace in that. And you know what? There's been times in my life where I have been obedient to the Lord, having absolutely no idea why He's told me to do the things that He's told me to do. And, and even in a couple scenarios, as I'm standing here before you this morning, I still don't know why. Maybe it was a test. Maybe it had nothing to do with me. 
but someone else. But you know what? As time has passed, I don't really need to know why. I just enjoy the peace that I have from knowing that I was obedient because there have also been numerous times where I have not been obedient or I've been disobedient and gone my own way. And those are the times that I regret. Those are the times that I wish I could go back and change. I don't care that I don't know why God called me to do something. At least I was, I was obedient. That gives me peace. It's the disobedience that frustrates me. It's the disobedience. So I'll take being obedient and not knowing why any day over being disobedient. Any day. And that's how I wanna walk. And that means for a lot of us slowing down and waiting. Either when things look too good to be true or maybe when things look so bad they could possibly not get any worse and God is still saying, sit still. Let's not forget what was on the line here with Esther. The entire Jewish nation in Persia. That's pretty bad. And she still waited. So whatever you might be in, whatever camp you might be in where God is saying, wait, or God is saying, move. Do you trust him? I don't, I don't mean this to say, to, to sound like a cynic already or anything like that, but I've come to realize pretty quickly that there are two types of people that, that come to church. There are those that, that want to follow Jesus. Now, you're, you, we're, we're here because we desperately want to follow the Lord. And then there's some of us that come and we're here because we want to feel good. The worship makes us feel good. The sermon might even make us feel good. Being in the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit moving makes us feel good. But then when we leave, we just start following our own way again, just till we get to the next Sunday because it makes us feel good. Those that follow after the Lord leave here and say, all right, now what, Lord? I've been filled so that now I can be obedient to you these next six days until I gather again. And I want this church, y'all, to be those people that desperately want to follow after Jesus, even when it hurts, even when it hurts, so that the rain can come so that we can have a harvest here that is supernatural and powerful. And what I believe the Lord wants for this place more than anything, but we'll be, we be obedient in our homes throughout the week when it doesn't make sense, but we know that Holy Spirit is tugging on us, saying, do this, take that step, stop here, whatever it might be. Will we listen and then do what the Lord says. I believe every one of us in here are capable of it. Every single one of us. All of us are strong and courageous and humble and teachable. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's follow after what the Lord has for this place. Let's believe for each other what, what the Lord has for you and your homes. Over everything that you're walking through, over your families and your friends. Let's be the church that links arms. Says we're gonna be obedient together. That the truth is we're not alone in this. We are not alone in this. For some of us, the obedience is laying down your life for the very first time, for giving your life to Jesus and saying, I'm done trying myself. 
I'm gonna, it's like God has been just pounding on your chest, waiting. And you know you're supposed to make that decision and for whatever reason, you just haven't yet. Now is your moment. Say, God, I'm done, I surrender. I love you, come into my heart. For others of us in here, God has been knocking on your heart as well, saying it's time. It's time. Will you trust me? It's all out there. It's all out there. You've come to me. You've listened to me. Will you do what I've said? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. Your way is perfect, Father. Your way is perfect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we just, uh, we confess that we don't know really anything, Father, but especially what you're truly doing. It's so beyond our our scope, Lord. It's so beyond our vision. We, we literally can't see it. That's how big and perfect your ways are. That's how big your plan is. Things that you're doing now, the things that you're setting up, why you tell us to wait when everything in us screams go. And when you tell us to go, when everything in us screams wait. God, your way is perfect and your word is flawless and you are our shield when we take refuge in you. So Father, I pray right now, Jesus, that we would be a church that is obedient to you. God, that we would humble ourselves. We would ask you, Father, with a teachable heart, what would you have me do? And that when you speak to us, God, give every single one of us in here the courage and the strength to move. God, it's just, it's not enough to hear it, Lord. You want us to move and to do what you have called us to do. And God, for those that have been saying, I've been obedient, I've been waiting a long time. I wish it was only a day I had to wait. God, give them the strength to continue to wait until you say go. Give them the strength, Father. Remind them, God, that your way is perfect. And Lord, for those that you've been saying, go, go, go for a while now, whether it's to the cross for the first time or whatever it might be, give them the strength to take that step. To not be someone that only comes to church to feel good for a moment but instead would come to have their lives radically changed so they can have that peace, so they can truly say, you are my God and I am yours. God, let us be the church every day of the week, followers of you every day of the week, to trust you in those pivotal moments where we can say, it's yours or I'm gonna take over. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.
thank you that your way is perfect. close in worship this morning and as we do we just have the altar open if you need to come up and ask for forgiveness or all those things we talked about strength and courage to make that move but as we worship as we sing this song it's such a great song let's lift our hands let's sing it out Let's be bold in our worship as we close this morning to make it our cry. Let's let's make it our, our anthem as we leave here this morning. And even when we don't see it, He is working. And even we don't when we don't feel it, He is working because His way is perfect. I'm not interested in a little soft, cute closing worship this morning. Let's sing it out. Let's let's stand on the truth of what we're about to sing. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship.